Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On 882-6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Uh, A little bit different uh, in this episode, and uh, look, let's be honest, uh, we could all do with a little more happiness in our lives. And our next guest is uh, striving to uh, deliver exactly that. His message and his methods have taken him all over the world. He talks to individuals. He talks to companies, including some of the real heavy hitters out there and, and to schools as well, essentially helping people to find happiness, to hang on to it, uh, to develop it, to augment it and to, to share it with others. But uh, the road to get to this point has certainly been uh, a tough one. So let's hear all about it with the founder of Happiness Co, Julian Pace. G'day, Julian. Morning. How are you? Yeah, going all right. Thanks, thanks. for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, am I going to be uh, a little happier after our chat, after an hour or so, Julian? <laughs> it, it, do you go into every conversation going, I've got to make this person a little bit happier than, than when we started? Well, I, I like to give the awareness of what happiness is because I think it's so subjective. So yep. when people always ask me, am I going to walk away happier? I always say, <laughs> it's well, a lot of pressure all determine on you. what you think it is. So I always say, depending what you determine your happiness as, and hopefully we can shed a bit more happiness in this, uh, this, this, yep. this podcast. I suppose it gets loosely defined or described as a social enterprise happiness co. But in your own words, Julian, tell me what it is. Yeah, so I like to keep it really simple for people. So think about mental health being a traffic light system. So Happiness Co. works in the green, which is the preemptive everyday space, which is think about in your life that no one wants to wake up and go through their daily dose of misery and pain. No one wakes up with that intention. But sadly, you know, difficult things happen in our lives every day. Uh, But if we had better tools to be able to cope with these challenges, then maybe we'd be able to get through them with a little less, you know, pain and frustration and maybe hurt a little less people along the way and most, most importantly, maybe not hurt ourselves as much along the way. And if you think about the red being the crisis management and the orange being like the, the tool activation, so we mm. just try and promote ourselves in the green. Yep. And yet I reckon a lot of people wake up in the in the orange or even the red uh, traffic light signal, don't they? That You know, you, you roll out of bed in the morning and all of the worries and woes are instantly there for you, aren't they? They are, mate. They, 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 life is challenging. I think we can all agree on that. But I always say to people that our problems never go away. We just have to get better at dealing with them. Yep. And if you think about the resourcefulness, like, you know, the internal things that you have to work on with dealing with your challenges, a lot of people do wake up in the red and the orange because quite often they are unaware of the options they have to make themselves a little happier. Yep. Tell me about so your own... that can be challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And 
obviously at the moment, um, the challenges uh, were, were suddenly different, but also extremely, you know, they were, they were big. They were big challenges when coronavirus sort of suddenly happened and it, it seemed to shift the world off its axis. Um, suddenly everyone's challenges sort of shifted, but also ramped up a couple of notches, didn't they? They did because a lot of I think a lot of people I'm sure you can appreciate this a lot of people uh, link their happiness to what I call achievement, which yep. is you know jobs, careers, relationships, you know social settings, comparison. Um, a lot of our happiness comes from that, or we believe it does. But where happiness actually comes from is fulfillment, which is how you feel about yourself. So when these things happen in our lives, when something changes or it causes us to feel a sense of uncertainty, we don't have a lot of internal fulfillment that leaves us sometimes feeling that we're not not doing good enough or we're not coping. Mm. But I actually say these are really good times in your life to work on the things that truly do make you happy though. Yeah. So in, in, in a almost perverse sort of way, has this upheaval in recent weeks and months um, been, I don't want to say a blessing because a lot of people are doing it tough, you know, for many different reasons, but in terms of, I suppose, adjusting your priorities and, reassessing what is actually important in your life is this in a way been a blessing for a lot of people yeah i think so i i think how many times in your life have you heard someone say i'm too busy for this yeah or i'm so under the pump and, and people are so used to complaining about how busy they are and i'm sure the listeners here today have been guilty of complaining about that particular point well yep. then what a great time to refocus and i'm a big believer in this that what you think about you become and what you focus on expands. So mm. if you put your time into the things that matter to you, the relationships, the environments, uh, the things that you've always been putting off, like reading that book or doing that jigsaw puzzle or, you know, doing that maintenance around your house. Like even me personally, I've been doing, I'm a terrible handyman, but oh. I've been spending <laughs> a little bit of the time doing some handiwork. <laughs> I have too, Julian. I'm afraid to say I haven't gotten any better, but there is a certain satisfaction in at, at least giving it a crack. <laughs> Don't just, you reckon there I is? There is, there is a skills. sense of fulfillment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, until it falls apart, which won't be long for me, I'm afraid. Um, but look, maybe a handyman course is my next course of action. That would certainly make me happy if I did uh, develop some skills there. Um, can we go back to uh, a time in your life then when you know you were a long way from a state of happiness? But again, often um, people embark on journeys like your own. Um, from a place of trauma, from a place of pain. Um, not that I want to dwell too much on that time in your life, Julian, but tell us what was going on in your life as a young man. Yeah, I think there's two things that really connect people, uh, pain and pleasure. So mm. the pleasure that we experience in our life and the pain that we have gone through. Um, and even though Happiness Co now has worked with 50,000 people across 10 countries and it's got nine employees and 15 coaches, it's an incredible organisation, but... You know, I wasn't always uh, a good person and I wasn't always a happy one. And, and why I allude to that is because, you know, we all go through challenges and make mistakes along the way. Um, and the, determining that really comes down to this, which is you're either making choices towards the person that you want to be or away. Yeah. So really simply, are you making choices towards the man you want to be, the, the, the woman you want to be, or are you making choices away from that? And I just spent a lot of my young 20s making choices away from the young man I wanted to be. And... I call it a moment of impact because everyone has a moment in their life that something may happen to them that causes them immense pain. Yep. And my mine came from, you know, having an argument with my father 
uh, and said some really horrible things to him that I didn't mean, but I was so angry at him. Yeah. And I was so disappointed that he had been letting me down. So I, I said some things that I didn't want to say, but I said them because I was angry. And then um, on my 21st birthday, my dad took his own life. On your birthday? Yeah, on my 21st birthday. And that was only, a, you know, a few days after our argument. Yeah. And and I, I, I the best way I can describe it is it's like someone came into my life and switched off the lights. Yeah. Because all I went back to... Was it completely unexpected that... That happening, Julian? Did he have a history of, uh, of of mental illness leading up to that point, or was was it a complete shock to you? Yeah. So, the first nineteen years of my life, my dad was an incredible dad. He yep. was kind. He was caring. He was giving, and I had a lot of love for the man he was, and the all sort of things that he taught me along the way. Yeah. Uh, from about nineteen to my twenty first birthday, when he took his life, he he started to really struggle. Right. Um, he started to obviously get caught up in his own mess and his own challenges. And this is why Happiness Co. and the work we do is so important to me because Mm. he didn't clearly have the tools to deal with it. Mm. So he suppressed it. He turned to things like alcohol. So he was drinking more than I had ever seen. He became emotionally abusive. And the thing about someone that drinks a lot, and I'm sure people can appreciate this, someone that drinks a lot and then start saying things as a result of drinking. Well, sometimes the next day he would wake up and not remember the things he said, but yeah. I always did. Mm. And, and before you know it, you start, to, you start to wonder. There was two things that I told myself, because stories are really important. So empathy, and you get this with your own family. My empathy was, I wonder what's wrong with my dad. That was my first story. Because mm. I didn't actually know what was wrong with him. I was asking him and we were trying to find out, but he wasn't telling us. So we yeah. didn't actually know what was going on. Only a change in behavior. And then the second story was, how come I'm not good enough for him anymore? And that was a really challenging one for me because as any young boy or man growing up, seeking your dad or parents' approval is so important to you. Um, And I love that he was proud of me as a young man growing up and we had a great relationship. But in that two years before he died, it seemed to be like I was invisible to him. And then when you're invisible to someone, you just want to be seen. So he was treating me poorly and I was getting more and more heartbroken, more upset. And that's at that point I, I alluded to when I said all these horrible things, because for two years he had been breaking my heart. And in this moment, I just, I guess, unleashed on and said some horrible things. And one of the things I said to him, I don't, I don't love you anymore. Yep. And, and that echoed through my life from that moment. And I started to live from that story. So that moment of impact in my life when my dad took his own life, that became my story. And I, I blame myself yep. for him killing himself when I was young. So from that moment on, I would tell myself that the reason my dad's no longer here is because of me. And, and guilt and shame are very powerful. Yep. Uh, the, guilt, the guilt of feeling so bad about what I did, but the shame of feeling like if I told you, Tim, then maybe you'd feel less of me. So I just kept it embodied. I didn't tell people about the argument for years after he died. Yeah. Were they the last words you spoke to your dad in, in that argument? Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And they still echo pretty loudly in your, your own head? Yeah, they've, I've done a lot of work on, uh, on I guess, forgiveness to him, to me, mm. and, and working on that you're always more than your problems and you're bigger than your mistakes. Yeah. But I, I, you learn from your challenges, right? And you learn mm. from your mistakes. So one of the things I say to people all the time is that regardless of what's happening in your life, there's two things that you can't change or take back the words that come out your mouth and the things that you do. So you have to get better at the things that come out your mouth and you have to get better at the things that you do because who's responsible for that? You. And even though my dad was breaking my heart, I still made a conscious choice 
to say the things that I said. And, and I don't hold on to the story anymore that my dad is, is dead and took his own life because of me. But I still am very heartbroken by losing my father, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just before we have to go to a, a break, Julian, you, you said, you know, even before that, before you, you, your dad um, started to, to spiral in, in, in the last couple of years of his life, you said that you weren't a great kid. Uh, what did you mean by that? Were you just a bit of a rat bag or were you just, you know, a, a bit wayward? What do you mean by that? I just think that sometimes as, as a teenager, you can get so absorbed in your own life. Yep. You know, your own friends, your own environments. And and, and when I say I wasn't a, a great kid, I, I just don't know if I was aware enough of of if I could have been a better son. Like, mm. like how much did he need me or how much did he want me or how many things were happening right in front of me that I was completely oblivious to. Yep. And I think that in our lives, we're so busy uh, trying to live our lives that we forget to look at the things and the people that we love along the way. And that was one aspect. But where I really mentioned and meant that I was a bad kid is after he died. That's when I really started right. to make really poor choices about yep. being a young man. Yep. Yep. Because I think what you do is you, you decide that you're the enemy and then you do everything you can to beat yourself up about the choices that you made. So my next five years of my life was pretty much essentially about beating myself up for the that moment of of impact when I said these horrible things. Yeah, yeah. And I know that that wasn't the only uh, tragedy in a fairly short space of time. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll ask you uh, to elaborate on that right after we take a break, Julian. No worries. This is Inspiring Stories. Julian Pace, uh, founder of Happiness Co., is our special guest. We'll be back with more in a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, The founder of Happiness Co, Julian Pace, is our special guest in this episode. before the happiness, though, came, unfortunately, a time of, of great turmoil and trauma. Uh, Julian, you mentioned your 21st birthday. You lost your father uh, to suicide, uh, and that then set you on a path um, of, of pain and anger and, and all sorts of intense emotions, I'm sure. But uh, tell us as well, I know there were other traumatic episodes that happened in, in your life in a fairly short period of time. Can you, can you talk us through those? Yeah, and, and I'm sure everyone on the call on the podcast is, can understand the emotion of grief. Uh, so I was grieving the loss of my father, yeah, um, and not dealing with that loss very well. Um, and and as, sorry, sorry to pull you up. But what do you What do you mean by that? Did you just Did you yourself, you know, find solace in in alcohol, or, or what do you mean um, by that? Yeah. So I didn't. I had never touched drugs before my dad had died because yep. I was big into my foot into my football. Yeah. And then before you knew it, I was drunk and uh, under the influence of drugs all the time. Yeah. Right. And it, the only way I could, I call it like escapism. The only yeah. way I could escape the, the story and have some sense of peace was when I was either drunk and reckless or on, yep. on drugs and feeling completely numb to it all. Yep. Yep. It but, was an escape. Uh, for anyone yep. that, yeah, for anyone that's met or spent time with someone they love that's under the influence of these things, it becomes mm. very dangerous for you and your family. And I have brothers and sisters that have kids and I was out of control, but also really unaware of, of at times how bad. Yep. Yep. Um, but the problem was that I hated, I hated myself so much. And I think this is where it's really important to mention that all my self-esteem seemed to go out the window when I lost my dad. So when I lost all that self-esteem and self-worth, 
I hated myself so very much. And I, I used to look at myself in the mirror and hate the man I became. So the only time I didn't seem to care about anything was when I was under the influence. So it seemed to take the pain away for a while. Yeah. But there was never enough drugs or alcohol or people that would make it go away for long enough. Mm. Yeah. Because so, you, have, you have to sober up at some time. You mm. know, you have to go to work. You have to live some uh, sense of normality. Yeah. It's a destructive spiral that you were on by the sounds of it. It was. And, and then you, before you know it, I, I'm big in this, that hurt people hurt people. Mm. And, yep. and because I was hurting so much, I started to hurt the ones around me. But if you think back to my dad, my dad was also hurting and he was hurting us. And it's mm. just like this, 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 this process that we all go through at times. That it's so much easier to hurt other people in our lives when we're hurting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and there's a great saying that says, if you don't heal the things that hurt you, you'll bleed on the people that didn't cut you. And I, I always remember that saying when someone told me it because it's so true. When you don't heal the people or the things that have hurt you along your journey in life, that could be a relationship breakdown, it could be a business breakdown, you start to take that out on the people that had nothing to do with it. And that's what I started doing. I started taking out my brother and sister, my mum, uh, my friends, and started to push people away because... When you believe that you're a monster, you quite often don't believe that you deserve the love from people that you care about. Yeah. Um, tell me what happened with your best friend and then your cousin as well in a fairly short space of time. Yeah, so within a week, um, actually. So two years after I lost my dad, I lost my cousin um, through an accident. And we're a really close family. We, we're Italian, so we grew up like brothers. And, and unfortunately... Um, he lost, he lost his way and he was really struggling and he, uh, he, he passed away. And then a week later, my best friend also took his own life. So I had three wow. devastating losses in, in two years and I just couldn't comprehend it. Like no. I just couldn't wrap my head around what was going on. And it actually felt like it was in some kind of dream because my, my sense of reality and this emptiness that was inside of me, my best friend had been my best friend since I was 13. Yeah. And we had gone through footy together you know, we chased girls together when we were younger. And then when my dad died, he was there with me every step of the way. Um, and I just couldn't understand that he had gone through that with me and then he would do that to his own family and then create another ripple effect of someone taking their own life and then the impact of that to the, his family and friends. Yeah. So at what point after those, again, incredibly traumatic episodes in your life did you wake up and go I, I can't keep living like this I've, I've got to turn things around well there was there was two two probably defining moments for me yeah um one was um most people don't know this, but a lot of people that spend a lot of time in hopelessness mm. and despair like that, that's I, I live my life through a lens of hopelessness which is like i was a burden to the people that i loved and i was constantly hurting people so i was bringing them no good and no good and joy in their life yeah but also living with that shame and guilt so then i actually attempted to take the, uh, to take my own life oh wow because all i could see was pain and i couldn't see a way of it getting better so it was a water incident and and all i can remember is feeling like i was such a failure that i couldn't get that right but I didn't actually want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. And I, yeah. and I really, this is really important for people. I didn't actually not want to be here anymore. It wasn't a cry for attention. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with, I just didn't know what to do anymore to make the pain go away. Yeah. So I, 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 I obviously tried to go down that path. And 
I was unsuccessful, which I'm so grateful for now. But then I had an argument with my mum a few weeks later. And there was a, this a particular moment when I was speaking to my mum. It was something to do with her eyes. And I could tell by looking at her that I was breaking her heart. And I could see her and me when my dad was hurting me, if that makes sense. Yep. It was yep. like this epiphany. Or, it was like this weird epiphany that came out of nowhere. It's like I could see her talking to me. And she was so heartbroken by my behavior and she was so scared of losing me that I saw in her eyes the young man I was when my dad was so hurting and so, so, in full, so much pain that I was that young boy feeling so heartbroken for my dad. Yep. And then I decided to change and it, it, it wasn't easy. I tell you what, it was one of the most greatest battles of my life trying to find my way back to happiness. Yeah, how did you do that? I mean, can I ask, were you still trying to numb the pain with... Uh, alcohol and drugs at the time? Well, that particular point with my mum and, yeah. um, you know, tr- trying to take my own life, yeah, 100% yeah. I was. But yeah. in that moment, I decided to, to turn my life around and I made a fundamental choice. I, like, I made a choice that I was going to do everything in my power to be able to be proud of myself again. And that's, what it, that's where it stemmed from. Yeah. Like, to be proud of the young man I was, to be proud of um, myself as a son, as a brother, as, as, a, as a person... And that's really hard because you can't just go from chaos to calm. So I would work really hard on some things and I'd fall back into, you know, some drugs and alcohol and make some bad choices. But I was just really good at allowing myself to make some mistakes along the way. Mm. So I knew that it wasn't going to be easy. I kind of had determined that, well, think about all the time and attention I had put into making my life miserable. Yeah. And... My saving grace probably was that I remembered being happy once before. So before my dad had died, I remember laughing a lot. I remember being cheeky and funny and just enjoying my life with my friends and playing football. But for years, probably six years, mate, I didn't actually have a sense of joy in anything I did. Yeah. Yeah. So then I started to remind myself in things that I could give, and this is a big word, give myself permission. I started to give myself permission to smile Mm. to feel happy, to enjoy. Mo- it's because it's like I, cause I believed I was responsible for my dad's death. It's like because of that, the cost to me was I could never feel joy. Yep. It's like yep. It's I, I convinced myself, if you're smiling and you're you laughing and you're enjoying it. your life, you weren't worthy of it. Mm. So I started doing these things, like smiling at myself in the mirror. I know it sounds crazy, but that helped. Writing my gratitude down on a piece of paper. But the biggest thing that I did to help me on my journey was to deal with my shame. And yep. what I mean by that is I started having the most difficult conversations of my life mm. with myself firstly and then also with the ones I loved. Yep. It's, where I, it's where I became vulnerable and started telling my family and friends about my behavior yep. and also started to tell my brothers and sisters and my mom about what happened prior to my dad passing away. And at the top of that list, I imagine the, the, the conversation, the argument you had with your dad a few days prior yeah, to his passing, right? Of course. And I was so scared for years on years that my brother was going to punch me in the face or yep. he was going to hate me. Yeah. How and did I love they my brother react and my, You know what? It's funny how we convince ourselves of things that aren't true, right? That my brother started crying and hugged me and said, I can't believe you've been wearing that all this time. And they just loved me unconditionally. And they, they were so upset that they knew that I had been causing myself so much pain mm. and they didn't know why. Yeah. 
But then in a moment, I guess they got a snapshot of this now all makes sense. Because they also lost their dad, if that makes sense. They also were totally. heartbroken. They were yeah. also devastated by their loss. But their behavior was very different. My, my, my sister and brother became best friends. They became better parents. They used their loss to be able to find good in their lives, to appreciate the things that they had. I used our loss to destroy mine. Mm. And I guess it gave my brother and sister a sense of, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense now why, why you've been acting so out of sorts for yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. And so is, is the formation of Happiness Co., is it in some way a, a tribute? Are you trying to sort of, um, I don't know, keep, uh, keep their memory alive in a way, pay tribute to them by launching Happiness Co., as you did a few years ago? Yeah, it definitely was initially. Yeah. It was like a, a tribute to the every, not just them three. It was a tribute to uh, everyone that we've lost along the way, including the people that you've lost. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to do something that would give people an opportunity to be able to heal their life and be able to understand that you're not what happens to you. And I mean that. You're not what happens to you, who you decide to become. And for a lot of years of my life, I believed I was, a representation of what happened to me. But then I changed that and decided to be something different. And yep. a lot of people, as you know, get bogged down in a story, which is this is what happened to me or this is what someone has done to me or this is the choices I've made. So because of that, I have to have this life. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that uh, in more detail in just a moment, Julian. We need to take a break, but I want to hear all about uh, how... Happiness Co. went from, uh, you know, a thought bubble uh, into the extraordinary uh, worldwide uh, enterprise that it is today. This is Inspiring Stories. Julian Pace is our special guest. Back with more soon. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, this one is brought to you by Barra and O'Day, of course. Uh, the incredible story of uh, Julian Pace and his uh, social enterprise, Happiness Co. Uh, Julian, we'll move on to uh, onto happier uh, material now, I promise. But uh, look, I'm guessing... You've told that story now, I don't know how many times, and you look at some of your, particularly your corporate clients, you know, Woodside, PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, Roy Hill, Chevron, Bunnings, KPMG, they are some some big corporate heavy hitters there. When you get up on stage or you're, you know, you're in rooms and you're telling people your message, and I'm guessing you tell them some of that backstory, what's it like standing in front of a group of people like that and, and bearing your soul? Uh, in, in telling such a profound story to them. What's that actually like for you? Yeah, it, early days, it was probably the most terrifying thing of my life. Yeah. I mean, talk about uh, being vulnerable. That's, I mean, you know, it's one thing to acknowledge it. It's another thing to then share it with complete strangers. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of things that come with it as well because also you have to deal with the conflict that comes from your family about you sharing such personal things with the world. Sure. Um, and I had some conflict with my brother about it, actually, because he, right. he didn't agree that I was speaking on stage about my dad's struggles because he didn't want his dad to he, he didn't want his dad to be spoken about in a certain kind of light. But it causes conflict because you want to share something that can help people and you still have people that are still still grieving. And I have such respect for my family and my friends mm. that also went through the same kind of pain I did. Yep. But yeah, you are right. Bearing your soul uh, in front of all these people 
um, and not knowing how they're receiving it, not knowing they're enjoying it, not knowing if it's helping them understand their lives a little better. Um, but you want to get the message right because you don't want it to be too doom and gloom that that was yeah. depressing for them. Yeah. But you don't want it to be too wishy-washy that they didn't get any out of it. Yeah, yeah. Because not to be cynical, but there'd be some people who'd be sitting in those offices who'd be, you know, probably got a mountain of work to do um, at their desks who'd be told to drag themselves away and go and sit in a room and listen to, you know, this guy, Julian, uh, talking about his life and about happiness. They'd probably be going in there with a slightly cynical attitude, just going, what's this all about? Some corporate mumbo jumbo that we've got to sit through. Um, You know, I I don't mean to be (laughs) shouting you down or anything, Julian, but I think that's probably the reality for a lot of people. And then all of a sudden you're in, um, you know, in that position there up up by the lectern or on a stage or wherever you are, um, just talking about the, these really intense personal experiences, I must—I I can only imagine that the atmosphere in the room is is quite amazing. Yeah, it is. And one of the things I learned from uh, Walt Disney actually in oh, Pixar yeah. is they said that good content would get people in, in engaged for an hour. Like yep. people have good content, yep. but great storytellers will get people engaged for days. Yeah. So what I worked on really hard was, as you mentioned before, I've told that story now thousands and thousands of times. Yeah. But what you realize is that you take the most relevant parts of the story and you Mm. share it to make the maximum amount of impact. So even though it's my own life and I love my dad so very much, I've tried to turn it into something that is like them watching some form of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Or them watching some form of a, a play, which allows them to see the story unfold in front of them. Because that's how they not that's how they don't sit there for an hour or ninety minutes and think I've got to go do my work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we have incredible feedback from these organisations saying that ninety minutes went so quick. And you can tell how you have people by their eyes. You, you spend a lot, a lot of time on stage yourself, but when you look into the audience, you can always tell if what you're sharing with people is hitting them in the right places or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I think you'd have to be human not to be moved by your own personal story, Julian, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that we, you know, when I talk about my dad, Tim, you think about your dad. When I talk about my mum, you think about your mum. When I talk sure. about my mistakes, you think about your mistakes. So what makes people's stories relevant is the individual being able to see themselves in it. Mm. So I don't make it too much about suicide. No. I make it about a moment of impact that's happened in your life. And everyone has a moment of impact that's happened in their life. Yep. And then everyone can relate to feeling a bit of shame and guilt. So I just use the common factors that we have as people and enhance them through the story. Yeah. And, and then towards the end of the session, after you've talked about yourself and your own journey, I mean, what, what do you do? Are you trying to empower them at the end? Are you trying to get them to, to sort of snap out of their you know, day to day, that almost default setting that they wander through their days and their weeks in uh, and just sort of snap out of that for a minute and just take a look at where they're at and how they process the challenges that, that come to them day to day? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, I, the, the whole thing of, of the thing I'm trying to do at Happiness Girl and what we work on is choices. So the stories, the emotions that lead to our decisions. So yep. think about you personally, when you're feeling sad and lonely and you're telling yourself a story that no one likes you, imagine the choices that you make. Yep. So we get people to acknowledge and try and recognize how they feel. So obviously suicide is a massive problem in Australia for men under the age of 45. Mm. It's the biggest killer of men under the age of 45 in Australia. Yep. Yep. So I wonder if you think about, I wonder how they are feeling 
I wonder what story they are telling themselves because if the choices end in their life, the first two things I just mentioned, the emotion, the story, must be pretty daunting. Yeah. Because no one takes their own life if they're feeling happy and they have a positive story. So the thing I try and share with people is regardless of where you are in your life, the emotions that you feel matter and the stories that you tell yourself are critical. And the problem is with people, I'm sure you've experienced this, Tim. Mm. Have you ever heard of a good conspiracy theory before? Oh, <laughs> I've heard lots of conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, plenty around at the moment, particularly. Are they good conspiracy <laughs> theories, though? I mean, good as in they're engaging, good as in positive and happy? Absolutely not. They're not. But what is one thing a conspiracy theory lacks? Uh, well, often truth. <laughs> often, yeah, often truth, right? Often truth and facts. Yeah. So when I say this about people that uh, think about your story that you tell yourself, I was, me personally, I was telling myself a story that my dad took his own life because of me. Yeah. That actually wasn't true. Right. That actually, wasn't, that actually had no facts. He yeah. took his own life. If you understand the process of him leading up to that moment, it had nothing to do with me whatsoever. Mm. Yep. But I believed it was my fault. So people start to believe the stories they tell themselves. Like, I'm sure you've heard in the workplace before, or oh, this person doesn't like me. Yeah. Well, the person actually has no data to back that statement up. They just assume it by the way that may have been treated by that individual. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's what happens in stories. And I hear it all the time in relationships. I don't mm. think my partner's in love with me anymore. And then you're like, well, have you spoken to your partner about that? And then they go off and speak to their partner about it and say, you know, babe, I feel like you're not in love with me anymore. And it's so far from the truth. Mm. Mm. So, powerful stuff. Yeah. I, the term conspiracy theory came from the CIA, didn't it, after um, the assassination of JFK, if I'm not mistaken. It was just a term that they came up with to apply to all these other theories that, uh, like you said, didn't have uh, facts to back them up, apparently. It's true. And, and yeah. it's so true, CIA. I hope that's true. And Otherwise, by... I've just created another theory. <laughs> another story. <laughs> but I, I think the, the, the cool thing about this, though, is if you search for the truth, quite often you'll find it. But yeah. The hard thing, the hard thing is, Tim. Yep. Sometimes seeking the truth is the hardest thing of all because you have to be so vulnerable, mm. and yep. you also have to have hard, really hard conversations. And yep. most people aren't good at being vulnerable, and most people aren't good at having hard conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you too. We might have to do this uh, after we take another break. But the, the difference when you're going to say, you know, one of those big corporate heavyweights that I've just mentioned, you know, Woodside, Roy Hill, Chevron, uh, the difference between addressing those sorts of people uh, and going to schools where you've got, uh, you know, younger kids who perhaps have been a little more cushioned from uh, some of the, the bad stuff that happens uh, in the world. But I'll ask you that uh, right after we take a break, Julian, if that's okay. Of course. Julian Pace is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Julian Pace is our special guest uh, who's been recognised as a Westfield hero uh, for his work in mental health, he's been uh, recognised in various categories of the Australian uh, of the Year Awards program as well. Uh, we're speaking to him about uh, Happiness Co. and a little bit about his uh, personal story as well. Uh, Julian, we were just talking about when you're delivering your um, sessions to, you know, 
let's call it the top end of town, you know, the big end of the corporate world. What about when you go to schools and you're talking to, I don't know, little kids or, or kids in that, uh, that vulnerable early stage of, of teenagehood? How do your stories go down with them? Do you have to temper them at all just to, you know, save it, save it from being a little bit too intense and overwhelming for them? Yeah, I definitely, uh, okay, turn it up a little bit in terms of, you know, what I think it's appropriate for them to hear. Yep. But not shying away from the importance of, of the challenge of mental health because yep. youth suicides at a record high. So the, the challenge is that they are aware of suicide and it's a massive challenge for them. So yep. you want to give them enough awareness for them to start to think about their choices, but yep. not enough that makes them, again, feel bad when they leave the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, with those younger kids too, I mean, how much um, of, a, of a factor is, is social media? Do you have to um, find a way to talk to them about social media and how not to let that get on top of them as well? Yeah, of course. And there's a massive thing around comparison and expectations for yeah. our teens. What does they say? So comparison is the thief of joy? Yeah, that's what uh, Teddy, uh, Theodore Roosevelt said. Yes, yeah, so yeah. it is. Yeah. But it actually is true. Yeah. Like People spend so much of their time trying to keep up with the Joneses, even more so mm. in our teens. And, yep. you know, the likes they get on social media, the photos that are the most popular, you know, even TikTok right now. It's incredible to see how much of our, our children and our, our teens and our youth are living their lives through a lens of a screen that's not mm. always a true reflection of someone. Yep, yep. So we believe it. I, I, I always allude social media to being very similar to, like, going to a magic show. Yeah. Like, you believe that it's magic because they trick your eyes. Mm. So while they distract your eyes over here, they are doing something over here with their other hand. Same as social media. We spend so much time on social media believing that other people are happier because they have all these things. Yep. So we actually start to believe that is true. And all that pressure that our youth put on themselves around exams and keeping up with appearances can be really stressful for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about feedback? And I know you, you go to places all over the country, all over the world, Julian, do you find when you go to different parts, um, you know, and speak to different groups uh, right across the world, do you get different feedback? Like, are there different factors at play there that that strike a chord or trigger things in people, depending on where they are? Yeah, of course. And I think environments are really important. Yeah. But one thing that is universal is fears. And one thing is universal is our emotions. So Mm. it doesn't matter where you go in the world, people understand sadness, grief, loss. Uh, but the environmental factors are always different. So yep. I always say there's two types of problems in the world. There are external problems and internal problems. So quite often that you find that the external problems are different in people's lives. So some people it's money, some people it's relationships, some pe- uh, people it's their career. But what you do find, doesn't matter where you go, that people always have similar internal problems, which is loneliness, unworthiness, you know, sadness. These, these universal emotions that people feel uh, you know, definitely don't discriminate. Doesn't matter where you go. Yeah, uh, and look, I know it's hard to generalise um, across a, a population, but in terms of, uh, I suppose, giving us a, a mental health score, if you like, here in WA compared to some of the other parts of the world that you go to, how do you reckon we're going here? Well, if you go just off the data, not great to be yeah. honest, but yeah. it's 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 one of those things that we know that. First world countries are becoming more more unhappy and more depressed than mm. third world countries. And one of the big factors that go into that is is gratitude yeah. uh, and appreciation. So you've seen this before. People get a brand new iPhone and they love the iPhone. And then three months later, it's, they, it's just an iPhone. And you get a brand new car and 
it has that new car smell and you're so grateful for it. But then six months later, it's just the car. We, we have like a fundamental flaw in for our first world country with our appreciation that we never truly appreciate what we have for long periods of time. Yep. Yep. Uh, so it doesn't matter how good it was when we got it. It's the same reason thinking about the honeymoon period when you meet your partner or you meet someone. It's so good. You're so enthusiastic by the, 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 the joy that it brings you. But two to three to five to 10 years later, really struggle because the things that we once really appreciated and now we start to take for granted. Yeah. And look, hopefully that will be one of the, uh, the momentous shifts in people's psyches uh, coming out of this uh, pandemic uh, crisis as well, but we'll have to wait and see whether those changes stick in the long term. Um, Julian, this obviously this show is called Inspiring Stories. I'm curious to know who the people are that have inspired you, um, particularly in more recent years. Yeah, I've, I've, you know what? I, I have to give a lot of credit to my team. They've inspired me. And I'm lucky enough to have nine employees and 15 coaches, but yep. you know, I'm I. They are so inspiring. And the reason why they're inspiring to me is because I can touch them, I can feel them, I can see them. And what I mean by that is there's incredibly inspiring people in the world. And I think we all know a whole bunch of them that we watch or follow on social media. But one of the things that's really moved me uh, with these particular people is their vulnerability. So Happiness Co. works on what we call lived experience trauma. Yep. So the 15 coaches I mentioned to you before have all gone through some kind of lived experience trauma that allows them to build... uh, relevancy with their audience so we have a lady that goes out and talks about domestic violence to domestic violence survivors so she Mm. goes out and shares her story uh we have a a gentleman that used to be addicted to gambling and now he goes out and talks to men about their addictions to gambling so we use their stories to inspire change and to me one thing that is so very hard is to own the challenges and the mistakes that you've made yeah and then to share them publicly, that's, to me, what inspires me. So yep. in terms of the most relevant people, they inspire me on the daily because mm. it takes such an element of bravery to continue to share uh, these things of your life. Yeah. And, and in terms of, uh, of, of pushing Happiness Co. into the future, do, I mean, do you have goals in mind there or, you know, is it hard to measure um, how you build and, and achieve success in that as you go along? Yeah, from a, from a tangible number, we have a goal of 10 million people in 10 years. Yeah. So what, what do you mean by that? 10, 10 million uh, followers or, or people who come to your sessions? How do you, what are those 10 million people? Yeah, so we talk about reach. So that's yep. a, a, a version of people inside our program, yep. inside our live events, and all, sure. all engaging in our online podcasts and stuff like that. So at the moment, it's about uh, 290,000 uh, yep. in three years. Uh, but, you know, momentum and uh, compounding will allow us, I believe, to, to be able to scale that larger and larger as uh, in the years to come because only uh, uh, 12 months ago, mate, it was just me and another. And now we've got yep. – uh, we've had enormous growth. And in that last kind of 12 months, that compounding effect has allowed us to impact more lives and, um, and serve more people, which has been so yep. exciting because it means it's working. Yep. And it doesn't, that doesn't always mean it's working. When I, when, people say, when I tell people I think it's working, people always think, well, how much money does that mean you're making? Mm. It was never about making money to me. It, it was always about making a difference. So yep. even people have asked me about this coronavirus, like, Jules, you know, how are you coping? And we had a massive financial loss, like 80% of our revenue of our speaking gigs um, straight away on the Monday because people cancelled or postponed. Yep. 
Yep. But to me, I was like, well, that's not a determinant. It's not a, a factor in how successful we are or what we're doing because that was never a driver for me anyway. So as long as we can afford to pay the staff and we can afford to still make a difference, then we're still fine. Yeah, that's a measure of success uh, in itself, just reaching people. Hopefully you'll have a few more people uh, who want to reach out and engage with you after hearing some more of your story on the program, Julian. So I really appreciate you sharing uh, your story with us and all the best with Happiness uh, Co. going forward and what other ventures that you uh, turn your mind to as well. Thanks again. Thank you so much and I appreciate you having me. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA Inspiring Story. You're listening to another Inspiring Story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um... Polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.